You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. In Jesus' name, amen. You have to forgive me. I am, I am not just out. I feel like I'm like borderline. I've never been like feeling, this is going to sound crazy, like almost in a trance. <laughs> like not weird, new agey stuff, but like with the Holy Spirit, I feel like I'm not here at the moment. And I'm trying to get here kind of. So just give me a couple minutes, because I've never felt this way before when I started preaching. So, yeah, it's so good. Does anybody else feel it, or is it just me? A couple people? Anyone else? Am I, am I alone? Like, I, I really do. I, I feel like I'm in another place right now, and I'm trying to just connect the two worlds real quick. Hallelujah. As they said, Bill is going to be here next month, Bill Vanderbush. Bill and Tracy, by the way. Can't leave Tracy out. Tracy is every bit as awesome as Bill. Actually, probably a little bit more awesome than Bill. Um, I love Tracy. Tracy is, they're good country folk. And they're coming to town, and we always, people that we're friends with, we always want to really, like, bless them and honor them well. And I said, hey, you know, we are thinking about, I said, maybe me and Tiffany, we could all, like, go uptown for a night and stay the night in a fun hotel or something like that. And Tracy's like, I would much rather go to your farm. And, and so she's like, how about Waxall and your farm? I'm like, hey, all right, let's, let's, let's do Waxall and the farm. And so they are, they've been carrying such a powerful message of just grace and love. And, and, Tra- and Tracy's got some pretty amazing stuff, too, that most people don't know about. She's got some books. And, and so check her stuff out, too. Last week, we... Uh, we broke into some new territory in the spirit. If you're here, you know what I'm talking about. We, just, we broke into some new territory. It was not just spiritual in the sense of this church. There's something in the sense of the city, and even bigger than the city, there was something in the sense of the nation that was happening. Um, there were some prophetic words before the conference of the East Coast and the West Coast colliding in the spirit. And there's this picture that I just want to say thank you to our media team. Our media team does a fantastic job every week. Like, yeah, can we just thank our media team, the people that... They, they really do. They, they, it's a lot more work than you often think it is. And I, I was telling AJ, I was texting him. And uh, this is how it works this morning. AJ was like, hey, I get to be on the front row finally and just worship. And then he looked like a transformer up here with, uh, <laughs> with a backpack, you know. <laughs> I would be hitting every microphone stand on the stage if I was swinging that thing around. Um, and, you know, he had an opportunity to use this unique setup, and so he was up there. But um, there is, in the Bible, they had scribes and in the Bible, you know, often things would happen where they would set up monuments to remember something. And I feel like I want to give a shout out to the media team because as the pictures and the, the photographs and the videos were coming out all week, I, it hit me. This is a monument of what's, this is a way of in our time, it was a monument of what God was doing. And there was this one picture, and it's not, it's not about me. Chad was on his knees. I don't know if you saw that on social media. He was on his knees just crying out in the presence of the Lord. And I was like standing here. And that thing went viral with people. 
And there was something in the spirit that was connecting between the West Coast and the East Coast. And in my spirit, when I saw that picture, I saw it. Um, I had a dream. All right, yeah. Let me share this. Um, I had a dream years ago. I don't think I've ever shared this publicly. I might have. But um, I went over to someone's house and our leadership team. And when I got there, without going into all the details, I was in their house. Yeah, I'll go into some details. It was Rachel Schmidt's house, and what that represented was creativity. She's the head of our creative, you know, the creative prophetic stuff. And um, I was there in her house, and someone rang the doorbell. And when I went to the door, it was kind of like my house was now her house. And I went to the door, and there was an angel standing there with a sword on his side. And said, are you John? I said, yeah. He said, I've been sent from Redding, California to Charlotte, North Carolina to bring down strongholds. And I remember he went and he got back in his car. All I remember is that it was an old Ford, uh, what are those, Bronco. Like the old school Ford Broncos. All the guys were like, oh, yeah, that's the angel of the Lord. Um, <laughs> I just remember it was like an old Ford Bronco, and, he's, and he just walked back out to his vehicle, and he left. I shut the door, and I went back in the house, and the doorbell rang again, and I went back to the door, and there was another angel standing at the door with a sword on its side and said, are you John? I said, yeah. He said, I've also been sent from Redding, California to Charlotte, North Carolina to bring down strongholds in your city. You feel it in the room? <laughs> That's good. Goosebumps. <laughs> So I, I thought, I'm curious now. So I reached out. I had a little bit of relationship with Benny Johnson, who's Bill Johnson's wife. She does, um, at that point in time, she was leading all the prayer for, for Bethel. And uh, I met her through some conferences where we led worship. So I did the whole send a Facebook message. Didn't think I'd hear back. Hey, the two angels, you know, creativity, strongholds, does all this stuff, you know, ring a bell with you, and she's like, oh my goodness, she's like, we have specifically recognized for years there have been two angels in our city that have brought down strongholds, and we have learned that the greatest avenue of seeing breakthrough is an avenue of creativity. Now, when I say creativity, that could be music, that could be creating a way uh, that is a new way to feed the homeless, you know, there's all different realms, painting, dancing, and so um, I felt in the spirit, so then Somebody, I don't know if Chad said it publicly, but he came either publicly or said it to me after the service. He said, I felt these, these angels showing up. And my spirit was just like, whoa. Like, I was about to come out of my skin. I don't even think I ever told him the dream. Um, sometimes I like to keep it to myself because, in a sense, I know if it's God, he'll put the pieces together. So I just didn't tell him. And he started telling me about these angels that he felt showing up. And so there's so much to it, but there's something that we stepped into that is a greater level of presence, but it's also a greater level of responsibility. It's a greater level of, and I don't, you know, I, I don't, I'm aware of resistance. I don't like to focus on resistance. And that's kind of what I'm going to talk about this morning is, is, um, is how to handle some of that, but to not get off track. Because one of the things I've noticed, I don't know about those of you, but at least for me, the week after has been just a whirlwind of issues for me. That I've constantly had opportunities to shift my focus. And constantly the Holy Spirit keeps saying, no, 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 no. Focus on me. 
as if I can feel the Holy Spirit just like a child take their chin and say, look at me. Look at me. I've been in movies before where I took my kids over the years where um, the movie was clean, but because of maybe the rating, um, there was previews that I knew was not going to sit well with my children. And so I would often, in the preview, I would just grab their face and say, hey, look at me a minute. Look at me. Why? I was shifting their focus off of that screen. And some of us were rehearsing. As soon as we begin to feel the attack of the enemy, as soon as you begin to feel the resistance of the enemy, the screen of your imagination begins to rehearse all the things that are going to go wrong. You see, your imagination is not a bad thing at all. God, I believe that God, God imagined before he created anything, there's the imagination process. I, I say it often that God imagined you. He dreamed about you. I mean, before he ever created Adam and Eve, it was, it was his dream. I think we've given God a bad rap, really. I think God is so much more of a lover and a father that we have no idea how great he really is. And there's a lot of bad teaching that I don't, I'm not even going to try to get into this morning that have focused us on aspects of God that even though they may be in him, they're not the thing I think he wants us focusing on. You see, I have a side with me that, you know, if you come and mess with my family, you're going to see a side of me you're not going to like. You're like, did he just say that? Yeah, I did. If you mess with my wife or my kids, there's a side of me that will come out that you probably would not be familiar with. But at the same time, I don't want that to be the thing every time you think about John is that side. So often we encounter a side of God through something that all of a sudden we see this justice side of God and we begin to create whole mindsets and doctrines that just focus around that. And although it is true and a part of him, he came to reveal the Father. Amen. I have landed back in the room. <laughs> With or without you, I'm back. <laughs> took me a few minutes to get there. I was like, here, I felt like a, a, a hot air balloon slowly coming down. <laughs> so... This morning, though, I want to talk to you a little bit about just Nehemiah. And um, Nehemiah is such a fun story. And so if you did bring your Bible, way to go. If you didn't, you probably can get an app and you can get your own Bible right where you're at right now. But open up your Bibles to Nehemiah. Just, just go ahead and flip open to uh, Nehemiah. I think we're starting in chapter, uh, chapter 1. Nehemiah, though, is this book about restoration, and it's specifically talking about in the context of Jerusalem that had been, I mean, to be honest with you, actually, if you reread Nehemiah right now in context of what's going on in our nation, it reads completely different. I'm going to ask one of my team members to maybe go shut that door back, back there. Um, but if you reread Nehemiah right now, I was reading it this morning, and all of the things that we've been through in the past two or three years of a nation, cities being burned, destroyed, all of a sudden, Nehemiah begins to look a little bit different. And here is the story of Nehemiah, and he's coming into this city that had been destroyed, and we find in the book of Ezra, one of my favorite stories, where they rebuild back the temple. And there's some neat things that happen in Ezra because I don't have time to teach on Ezra, but, you know, they built back the temple, and there was people that wanted it to look the way it used to look. 
I don't know if you've read the story, but when they go to dedicate the temple, it says that there were people that were crying and weeping, and I love their approach to handling this. It didn't say, well, let's, let's gather some counselors and let's go and hear their issues and find out if we can lend a hand. No, the instruction to the people was, here's how we're going to handle all of the weeping from the religious spirit. We're going to just shout all the louder so that people can't hear the weeping. Too often, the religious voice is the loudest voice in the room. And he said, no, we're just going to shout louder. And so we see that they rebuilt the temple in Ezra, but here comes Nehemiah. And I want to begin to just look at something a little bit different because Nehemiah, his name actually means comforter. And it truly is a prototype, a picture of the Holy Spirit who is to come. And when you look through this book, it's really prophetic of what God's called us to do. And instead of being impressed by the devil's damage, instead of being what I call a news reporter for the devil, which we call often prayer, <laughs> Nehemiah had the ability to step into a situation and to see what the devil has done, to recognize the, the place that the city was in, but to respond from heaven. And... Um, Let's just, let's just jump right in. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3. And it says, And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. Everybody say trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Stop there a second. I want you to recognize that Nehemiah immediately um, came into the city and his approach was to come in and to sit down and to hear where the people were. He came and he heard the need. I think it often that we come in and we don't value hearing the need of people. And Nehemiah put himself into a place of connection, of vulnerability, of humility to say, let me hear what's going on. And in verse 4, it says, And as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Um, he's basically standing in the place of an intercessor right here. He is using language like we instead of you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments and the statutes and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. So stop there a second. Nehemiah's heart is, is, is really breaking, and he's recognizing the state of the people, but he's also bringing it to the Lord in a place of intercession. He didn't say, you know, <laughs> he didn't say, you know, they deserve this. I get it, Lord. You know, I know they're a sinful people, you know. And so often, I think it's so easy to step into a state of such darkness where we can put on our robe of judgment instead of our robe of mercy. 
And we can come into cities that are dark. I, I, I told Chad, I so appreciated what he's doing and praying in San Francisco because I think so much of the church has just given up on San Francisco. But San Francisco has a lot of people inside of it. When we went to San Francisco recently, it just so happened that our window in our room was facing the street where YWAM was in San Francisco. And I loved watching at a certain time of day. I was trying to figure out why all these groups of people were piling in on the street. And then you watched all of a sudden all these people go out and start loving them. All these young people were praying over the homeless, feeding them, while at the same time their brothers and sisters so often are cursing that city. And so we don't see that with Nehemiah. We don't see that he came in and took an approach of, well, listen, I get it, Lord, I get it. They've, they've sinned. This is where they're at. They deserve it. He came in and said, I recognize what's happened. But he connected his heart with the people and with the Lord. And he began to stand in the gap. And he's not judging this city. He's not, he's not you know, condemning. He's not throwing condemnation upon them. But he came and he began to fast. And one of the things that he did was that he began to stand upon the promises that were already given over the city. In verse 8, it says, remember the word that you commanded. Stop here. He's not, the Lord is not some senile God up in heaven that forgets things. This was, a, this was a powerful move by Nehemiah, the same thing that we saw Moses do when God said, I'm just going to wipe them all out. And God said, whoa, or Moses said, that's not going to look great for you if you kill all these people. I find that a really comical passage. I don't know why. But here's Moses, and God's like, I'm ready to just take them out. And he's like, nah, it's probably going to look bad for you. And here we see it again. We see it with Nehemiah. We see it in other passages. We see it with Jehoshaphat where they are reminding God. They're not so much reminding God in the sense he's forgotten. What they're doing is they're establishing the truth over the city again. Are you with me? And he said, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word I'm saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the people. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them through your outcast, though you, excuse me, though your outcast are in the uttermost parts of heaven. From there, I will gather them and bring them to a place I have chosen to make my name dwell there. <laughs> There's something powerful that's happening here. Nehemiah is beginning to speak the words of the Lord through the authority that God's put on him. Something that really changed really changed how I see things years ago was when I came into the revelation that when I speak God's words, they're no less powerful coming out of my mouth than they are out of his mouth. Think on that. When God speaks something, it's not more powerful than one of his sons or daughters speak it. Some of you, we, we <laughs> feel the, I don't know about that. Yeah, because we like to leave our room, ourselves room for doubt. <laughs> but when we begin to understand that when I speak the words that God has told me to speak through this conduit of authority of a son and a daughter, things happen. 
And Nehemiah is stepping into this place in his city where he's beginning to speak the words that God spoke over this city. Now, you got to understand, this is Old Covenant. This is before the Holy Spirit. So literally, he's speaking the words that had been prophesied over that city. Now we get to stand in a place where we hear the Holy Spirit, and through this authority, we begin to declare things over our neighborhood, over our home, over our workplace, over our church. And it's, it's the same as if God speaks it. Amen, John. Thank you. I'll preach myself. <laughs> the Bible tells us that there's the power of life and death in the tongue, and I've truly found that what I speak has a great part of what I feel and what I experience. One of the things that I'm really intentional about, and it's, I believe it's part of my gift, but it's also just an intentionality. I think some people say, well, you're gifted at that. But I do believe that I have the gift to walk into a room and to be able to change atmospheres. I also believe it's not just a gift. I believe a lot of it is what we have to practice. <laughs> we have to practice. And so I tell people often because we get this thing peacekeeper and peacemaker confused. People say, well, I'm just a peacemaker. No, you're just a peacekeeper who doesn't want to rock the boat. <laughs> you see, often we don't want to come in and rock the boat, and so we pull out, well, you know, I'm just a peacekeeper. I know that because I did that for a while. And you can only do that for so long, but God didn't put you into situations to calm things down. Often he puts you in situations to rock the boat. Why? Because sometimes it's in the place of the boat being rocked that you find out that the people on the boat don't have any faith. <laughs> All right. Um, this is a good sermon. I haven't even heard this before. I'm preaching it. It's like, that was a good one right there. Um, <laughs> this is not my notes at all. It's, it's true, though. Often, I believe often we get in a place where we need to rock the boat because it reveals things about people on the boat. And we need that. Now, let me, let me say this, because some people will take that and they're like, that's it. That's my call. No, there's a difference between just being obnoxious and being the person that God has said in a specific situation to rock the boat. Because some people are like, I, I knew it. It's my grace. I'm a boat rocker. I'm a boat rocker. <laughs> okay. So, so there's a purpose for rocking the boat. The purpose of when they were in the middle of the storm, it wasn't that it caught Jesus off guard. He was teaching them when he was sleeping in the bottom of the boat. Listen, it's in the place of, of when you have authority over this, you can rest there. I tell people, my, my, I have these warning lights in my life. You know, they're like, if this thing happens, it's a warning light. I'm not doing well. If something's keeping me up at night, it is a warning light for me that I need to get more authority in something I'm facing. Um, and I have found that the same, th you know, the same as the disciples on the boat, often just praying that Jesus would fix it doesn't change anything. Because often he's sitting in heaven looking at you saying, when I said it was finished, I actually meant it was finished. And so you have what you need, and so I want to empower you. And so here we are, and at times... We need to be peacemakers where we step into situations. And again, peace is a person, not an absence of problems. So if your definition of peace is an absence of conflict, you're going to have a hard time with this. I don't enjoy conflict. I really don't at all. And I'm a... <laughs> 
felt someone else's pain. Amen. Um, I, I, and I'm a feeler, a big feeler. It means in the, yeah, I don't have time to do a prophetic teaching too. But um, in the spirit, I feel a lot of things. And so I can, feel, I can feel when a person often walks in the room. I can feel a bunch of stuff going on in the room this morning. And it's great because God is drawing the hearts of people together, and I could feel so many different things going on in the spirit. But often what we do is we begin to feel things, and we begin to try to get rid of those feelings because we don't like them, and we step into becoming a peacekeeper instead of a peacemaker. But Jesus would often step into situations, and he would push them just a little bit farther. Why? Because it will truly reveal what is in you. All right, Nehemiah. He began to speak the words that the Lord had over the city. He began to speak what the Lord was saying over that city. We see in the New Covenant, 1 Timothy 1.8, we see this, uh, write that scripture down. 1 Timothy 1.8 tells us this. It says that use these prophecies to fight. This is really important. When we get past the point of fighting just to believe the prophecies, and we can begin to fight from the prophecies, you're beginning to truly tap into a new strength. We, we often, I believe in confirmation too, by the way, just because someone prophesies over me doesn't mean that I just take it and hit it out of the park with it. I genuinely want to hear what the Lord has to say. But when I know it's the Lord, I will lock my teeth in like a bulldog. And that, I mean, I won't let go. And here we see that there is one of the greatest strengths that you can step into as a people is when God speaks something over you and you know it's the Lord. And by the way, you need to know it's the Lord because there there will become many points down the road where you have chances to say, maybe that wasn't the Lord. (laughs) Like, Like multiple times a week. That you'll say, well, maybe that wasn't God. Often we, often we call, you know, truthfully, we call fear discernment. And <laughs> often we call fear discernment. And we begin to well, maybe that wasn't the Lord. Maybe you're fearful. And so what happens, though, is when you begin to lock into these words that God's spoken over you, we've had some of these situations where God's come in and prophesied things to this church. When we first started, there's like few, there's not a lot of people here. And uh, people were like, I just see multiple campuses. I'm like, I would be happy with just multiple rows at this point. You know, like, there's just no one, very few people. And, uh, you know, and God's speaking these things, and he's prophesying, and you know that they're lo- the Lord. Um, you'll come to a point down the road where you have to begin. You'll have two options. Either I'm going to believe this word and fight from it, or I'm going to stay in a place of fear where I'm not going to fully step into it. But you see, stepping into it's the same way that Abraham had to go from Abram to Abraham before Abraham and Sarah could get pregnant. Abram and Sarai at that point had carried the promise for a really, really long time that they were going to have a child. I don't know if you've ever read that story. It's kind of a biggie. 
But it's really funny because you want to talk about a big prophetic word. It was so big that when the angel of the Lord came to Abram, it said that he fell on the ground laughing. I don't know if you've ever gotten a word from the Lord that made you just fall on the ground laughing. That's a great word. I often tell people, if, you're, if your word is not big enough that you just laugh at it, you're not going big enough. There comes a point where it just becomes, because I realize that me and myself, that's comical. But with God, it's absolutely possible. And so Abram gets this word, you're going to have a kid. He's like, I'm getting old. And it says he falls on the ground. And something happens where all of a sudden Abram decides, I'm going to change my name to Abraham. Which talks about being a father of nations. How awkward it must it be to change your name to be a father when you have no kids. Often, if you're going to be a forerunner in what God's doing, you're going to look weird. Because God will give you answers before there's questions. Remember when Noah built a, like an ark? You know it must have felt awkward when there was no rain. Just building the ark. You know, there's Noah, the big boat boy. He just kept building. Why? Because God said he was standing on the promise. We talk about this term reformer in church a lot, in this, at least in this church. If you're going to be a reformer, you're going to begin to tap into things before they're popular. You know, we've had, we've had um, Chad gave some staggering, um, some staggering like statistics last week and on suicides that have went up in the past few years and all these different just, you know, depression. And I know that using meds is like through the roof now in our country. And, um, you know, the Lord came to our country. Well, actually he came to Canada, but he also came to our country. He came with a movement and an outpouring of laughter and joy. And the church didn't like it. Because they were more comfortable with living in fear than joy. We, I didn't, but the church at large, for most of it, they raked a lot of these movements over the coals that were really big into laughter. But look where we're at now. We would do anything for a laughter movement. Be careful. Often God will pour out the answers before there's any questions. I'm running out of time. Let's flip over a couple chapters. Nehemiah chapter 6. So Nehemiah saw the need of his city. He was heartbroken. He prayed. He fasted. And uh, let's, let's jump over a couple chapters. Chapter 6, verse 1. Um, I'm not going to. Let's see here. There's a lot of names. I'm, if you haven't figured it out yet, my specialty is not reading hard names in the Old Testament. <laughs> So if I just blast through them, you are welcome to come up to me afterwards and tell me how great I did. Um, <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem and Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, come and let us meet together at that place. In the place of Ono, but when they intended, 
It always, there's a bunch of jokesters, jokesters always enjoy that one. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Everybody say, I cannot come down. You should say that one again. I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down for you? And then they sent me four times this way. <laughs> Today, that would be text messages. <laughs> and I answered them in the same manner, and in the same way, Sanballat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter. Ooh, what is that? That's gossip. That's a Facebook post. <laughs> and, it was, <laughs> and it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also, also says it, that you and the Jews intend to, to rebel, <laughs> that this is why you're building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up the prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. Be careful who's trying to give you counsel. Then I sent to him saying, <laughs> no such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. It's a great response on social media, by the way. Um, for they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work. A lot of translations say their hands will grow weary, and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Now, when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delilah, yeah, all those folks, who was confined to his home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Here it is. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, <laughs> should such a man run as I, as, as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? Dude, he is pulling the man card here. I will not go in. Let's just stop there a second. Notice how they changed their approach. Here's the deal. When you begin to get involved with what God's doing, when you begin to build what God's building, when you begin to encounter the Holy Spirit in the way we've been encountering the Holy Spirit, you better believe that the enemy is not happy. He's not happy about our city and what it's becoming. And the accusations will come. Anytime you are doing anything worthwhile for the Lord, you will be accused. It's part of it. And all, I mean, this, like I said, in our world, this would be, you know, I've had these, man, I've had them on Sunday mornings right before I go up to preach. That's usually why I put my phone away. Because when people want to attack me, it's usually about 9.30. Because they know it gets my mind off track. So I just shut my phone off usually and leave it in my seat. But there is a... They will. Nehemiah was doing a great work for the Lord. And they've moved into the, now they have moved a whole new model. They're trying to use prophetic voices to challenge him. Just because you're prophesying doesn't mean that what you're saying is from God. Yeah. You can have a prophetic gift and be used by the devil more than the Lord if your heart isn't right. 
You see, Nehemiah had the discernment to realize that these prophetic voices that were giving him words were not out looking out for him. Man, I feel this. You do understand that giftings are not something that God just can take back if you're not healthy. Giftings are yours. He is not an Indian giver. When he gives you a gift, it's yours. And I meet people often that have a tremendous, actually some people that have tremendous prophetic giftings, you have such a responsibility to carry the heart of the Father because your gift is so powerful that you are very influential. I, I take that stuff really seriously. You can ask anybody on my staff, on my team. I take very seriously being cautious to not put certain things on social media because it can become manipulative so quick. And there is an attack on anyone that's advancing the kingdom. We see it here on Nehemiah, and he says, I'm not going to run. But he answered the accusations. I want you to hear this in verse 12. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him. He had not pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Prophet for hire. There's something interesting about Nehemiah here that has always stuck out to me. And it's that when the attack of the enemy came, he answered it. He, he First of all, he responded to it. He didn't react to it. Now, that's a big teaching right there. We are so reactionary in culture. I mean, you could just post something just... it's. I'm not trying to stay on social media this morning, but I think it's important to recognize that we have become so reactive. But Nehemiah responded. But he responded from a place from his heart. He responded from who he was as an individual. It didn't, and we talked a couple weeks about, about triggers. I ended up talking about triggers. It didn't trigger him. He didn't get triggered. I am tired of being attacked. He didn't go off the deep end. He just responded from who he was. And there will be times in life that I want you to notice this, actually. If you look at it, it says, but, verse 11, but I said, Should such a man as I run away, and what man such as I should go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him. I want you to recognize something. He did not recognize that it wasn't God first. This is important. It was after he responded from who he was that then he said, and then I understood, it wasn't God who sent him. It's easy to respond. It's a lot easier to respond from a great Christian-like response when you know God is the one, like you're perfectly in that right place. He was responding from a place of not knowing what was going on, but he was just responding from who he was. And then it said, after he responded, then I understood. That wasn't God. 
Sometimes you're going to have to respond before you know if it's God or not. Verse 13, for the purpose he was hired that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin. And so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. <laughs> I find it interesting, the connection here that of fear and sin. Tobiah, excuse me, Nehemiah knew that if his response was fear, it would lead to sin. But his response was trust, which led actually to revelation from the Lord. There are times where you're going to have to respond from just trusting the Lord. This is leadership 101, church. This is why your character is so important. This is why who you are is so important. Because there will be times where it, it just, it just there is a response that's needed. And there are times where I face things and I really don't know which is which. And I just have to respond from who I've known God to be and who I am. And so often after the response, I'll get so much clarity. But there has to be a value. There has to be a value for not just wanting to operate in giftings. You see, I want to have, I love being able to champion people in their gifts. I, I really do. I, I told someone recently, I said, I, believe it or not, I actually don't enjoy preaching that much. It's, I, I'm honored to be able to speak, but it's by no means a highlight for me. It's, I just, I love hearing other people preach. It's not a big deal to me. My, my favorite thing that I get to do is to get to see people that have gifts in them and get to see them be championed. But there comes a point with every person that you're trying to raise up and you just get to be a part of their journey. I don't get to raise anybody up. I get to be a part of their journey. There's always comes a point where we hit something where it says, what's your character going to do? Always. I don't care who you are. We will hit something that we're going to find out where you at. I don't, it doesn't matter if you're, you're going to hit it. <laughs> because you're going you're gonna to have to respond. And I believe that with what God is building and with what God is inviting us into, the, the responsibility, I told this to a friend I was at dinner a few weeks ago. I said, my greatest passion is, is to see, yes, people that do wonderful things, but to see healthy people, to see healthy leaders. Do you know what the attack will be then? You see, what you focus on will always be the point of attack on the enemy. And if our focus is we want to have healthy leaders, the attack will be on the leaders. If our focus is on wanting to have healthy people, there will be an attack on it, and things will come out. Don't be, don't be scared when things come out. Can I, let me just sit there one more second. Don't be scared when things come out. Don't be scared when things come out in you. Because you'll have something, you'll be like, whoa, didn't know that was there. 
That's a good thing. It's a good thing that the Lord is bringing it up. Why? Because he is, in, he is, he is entrusting us with something great. He, not just me, every person, teenage, I don't know why you guys are so highlighted to me this morning, this front row, like he is entrusting you guys to something great. What you represent. And we have seen over and over and over, giftings rise up. Giftings will win your heart and so quick. God, things are changing. I feel like I'm like putting a stake in the ground this morning. I, I love the Holy Spirit services. I, I, what we did last Sunday night, that was a blast. But what I'm building, if I want to be able to see it sustained, it has to be carried by people like Nehemiah that said, I'm not, I'm not going to respond to that. I'm not going to give my time to that. We can't, uh, there's this other re- reality. I just don't have time to get through all this, but there's, there's courage. Nehemiah had such courage. We can't do what we're called to do without courage. Yeah, I'm going to stop. Some of you thought I, you got away from it. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, can't leave it yet. I feel such a, a weight in the spirit, not a bad weight. But what God is wanting to do right now, I'm going to talk to, there may be some of you that are not, this is not your home church, so you can hang on to it or let it go. But those of you that this is your home church, God is calling us. The word I gave as we came into this year if you remember on Vision Sunday, if you were here, it was assemble. Remember that word? Assemble. I often say the difference of assembling and gathering is like to take a puzzle and dump it on a table. You've gathered the pieces. Many of us have valued for so long just coming to church and just gathering. But you'll never get to see what the designer and the creator wanted you to see until you assemble. And we're in a season of coming together and assembling and pulling together. And people are, are getting, they're coming alive. But I want to tell you this, the responsibility on your shoulders, and can I just say this, it is, it is your responsibility to value being a healthy person. It is your responsibility to value your health. It's not your spouses. It's not your leaders. It is your responsibility to value being healthy. And we are drawing a a line in the sand of that. We're leaning into this. We're leaning into the Holy Spirit. We're leaning into outpouring. We're leaning into seeing our city changed. But I know as you step into that, the weight and the resistance, the kickback is heavy. It's just, it's, it doesn't scare me. It's just an, it's a reality. When you take what was the devil's, he gets upset. He's like a big baby. 
He doesn't like you taking his things. But they were never his to belong. They were always mine and yours. And so as you begin to take back what he is, there's going to be a, a, a hissy fit from the devil. But in that moment, your character, your personal health, physically, spiritually, emotionally, by the way, it will sustain you. It will carry you. So you can see an outpouring and build something that lasts. That lasts. And one of the greatest tools that the enemy often uses is intimidation. I, I get real funny. I, I'm not a big... Like, I've stood up for people in, in restaurants when I see someone intimidating people. I've watched people do that to... Yeah, it happened to me actually last night. And I, we were at that one restaurant. And that lady was treating that server so bad. And I was like, you're doing a great job. And I could like she was trying to intimidate this poor guy. I, I don't put up with intimidation. And let me tell you something. Don't let, the intim- don't let the devil push you back and intimidate you. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're so filled with greatness. 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 I feel like I rambled a bit. But at the same time, I feel very sure that the Lord said what he wanted to say. And we are building something in our city. What, you know, if you really want to have fun, dig into Nehemiah on your own. What the walls represent. What the gates represent. What they were actually rebuilding. I mean, it's so relevant to what we're seeing in culture right now. And by the way, Nehemiah was just a cupbearer. He wasn't a priest. (laughs) He had a great job. He just tasted wine and found out if he would die or not. (laughs) That was his job. (laughs) Every day. (laughs) All day. I'm still living. (laughs) That was his job. That was his job. He was a cupbearer for the king. But God strategically placed him where he needed him to impact a nation. And so for those of you that feel like your job may be the same thing every day, don't you think for one moment that God can't use you to change a city because he's just that good. He's just that good. All right, I want to pray over a couple people, and I'm going to release you because I know i got to let the kids go. Holy Spirit, you're so good. I want to pray something. I felt to do this earlier, so if you just hang with me one minute. I'm gonna, I just feel like to release an encounter of the Holy Spirit over you. I, f- I felt this, um, this voice in the room that was like, I don't feel or hear the Holy Spirit. So this is going to be really easy. But Holy Spirit, I just, I come to you right now. I come to you. And I ask that right now that your spirit would come in this place 
which is already here, but would manifest on your kids, that they would feel something. Signs, wonders, and miracles are all there to point us back to you. So we're not asking for something for the sake of a sign or a miracle. We're asking so we can know how good you are. But I do ask that right now that you would come on your kids. It may be a peace that silences every voice that's echoing in your head right now. It may be a heat on your back of your head. <laughs> it may feel like just being with your dad. But I'm going to ask that Holy Spirit, those that are in this room that have not felt or sensed or heard you in a very long time, you would just remind them how near to them they are right now. we stand up? Just grab, if, if you're good with this, grab the hand of the person next to you. If you're not, just pretend. <laughs> Air hands. It's all right. Some people I say that are like, and I'm out. Don't leave. I want to release a couple things over you. In Jesus' name, I release right now, first of all, the true spirit of discernment. We release the guiding voice of the Holy Spirit, that it would break all confusion, that it would destroy the chaos that some of you are feeling. A really good sign that you need discernment is when you constantly feel chaos because your soul, your spirit, you're at war with yourself because you don't know what to believe. So in Jesus' name, I release just the spirit of discernment in this house this morning. Over every believer, now, in Jesus' name. I also release courage over everyone in this room. Courage that says, I know what God said for me. I see what you're saying, but I know what God said for me. I know what God said for me. I pray the fierceness not to back down even in the face of lies and accusation, you will not back down. I feel like something in that. You will not back down. And I release compassion over you that when you encounter that, when you encounter that, when you encounter that, that you will not begin to respond to flesh and to people. It is not about a person. If you came away thinking this was about a person, you've missed it all. 
This is completely about what happens in the spirit realm when we are stepping into new territory. So in Jesus' name, I release over you the, the compassion that in the same way that Jesus was attacked and he could respond in love. Respond in love. Respond in love. Respond in love. And I just declare of you that you would raise up reformers. You would raise up. Those of you that it feel like it's been beaten out of you, I just, man, I just see spiritually the breath of God being breathed back into you this morning. Just, just breathe it in. Just breathe it in. Now you can let go of their hands. Just put your hands in front of you. And in Jesus' name, receive what God has for you right now. You're going to feel this. Receive what God has for you right now. Receive what God has for you right now. <laughs> the voice of the enemy that's trying to tell you you've messed it up. <laughs> just if, if you haven't asked just to the Lord for forgiveness, just ask. And it says that in this new covenant, that when you ask for forgiveness, he remembers your sins no more. So bring it to the Lord, deal with it, and it's gone. Some of you, I free you from the weight you've been carrying of your history. I free you of that. His blood speaks a better word. His blood speaks a better word. Whatever you're hearing, his blood speaks a better word. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to ask the prayer team to come up this morning. I think there's going to be some people that want some prayer. So prayer team, if you could come up. If you need prayer for anything, it could be the sermon, it could be anything. They'll pray with you. So I bless you. Go and just be Jesus to somebody this week. You're called to be and represent Jesus to somebody. So go and take the kingdom. I bless you. Bless a few people around you. There's some awesome folks sitting around you. And we'll see you next week. So. You've been listening to the Gate Charlotte's podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message. We're sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us.